All right. Well, hey, welcome, everybody. Glad you guys could be here. If you guys don't mind finding your seats, that would be awesome. Hey, I just want to welcome all of you. If you are a guest here with us, then uh, I want to say thanks for being here. Even if, you're, if you, even if you're sitting in the balcony, I still want to say hi to you. Yes, I see that up there. And uh, we also have a, a large group of uh, new lifers that have launched out to plant a brand new church down in our gym. And I want to say a big shout out and hello to all of them that are worshiping with us right now down in our gym. Right on. So if you feel like there's a little more room around you right now, then you were absolutely correct. If you were thinking to yourself, wow, did I miss Skip the Church Day? Um, You did not miss it. We just have a large group of people that are down in the gym. So uh, it's going to be, it's really exciting. It's a lot of fun. We are, we're branching out to new territory. We're doing church down in the gym, church a new way. So uh, it doesn't mean that this way is bad. It's just a new way. It's just a different way. So at some point you may want to pick a Sunday and you may want to go down there and see what it's really all about. It happens at 1045. Today is our maiden voyage. So we're launching out. It's a lot of fun. Well, Listen, Nate, uh, Nate set you guys up and he asked you uh, to kind of talk with one another about a movie, a sci-fi movie that maybe, you know, you kind of enjoy. I, I hope that uh, you had an opportunity to do that. The, uh, the, the movie that I want to talk to you about, or the book written by Jules Verne, um, you know, back in the mid-1800s, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Anybody read that book? Later it became, it became a movie. The movie version that I first used to watch, I think, was made in like the mid-1950s. And this will date you, so be careful how loud you laugh. But I think Pat Boone was actually in that movie. So, um, not that that matters. Why do I know that information? Wikipedia, my friends. All right. <clears throat> Wikipedia. Um, so, Journey to the Center of the Earth, it fascinated me as a kid. I always wondered to myself, could we do it? Could we go there? Is Jules Verne correct? <laughs> you know? Well, obviously, science has developed way beyond, you know, uh, uh, the mid-1800s, and we've discovered a lot about our solar system. We've discovered a lot about our planet. At the center of the, of the Earth, it doesn't look anything like the sci-fi movie, Journey to the Center of the Earth. I, I'm sorry to disappoint some of you right now, but it, there is no dinosaurs down there. There isn't another, you know, group of people that are living down there. In fact, it's a pretty mysterious place. It's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating place. The center of the earth, as science knows it today, over studying and, you know, science, science experiments and different things, has discovered that the, the inner core of the earth is made up of two parts. There's an inner core and an outer core. And the inner core is a solid iron mass, and the outer core is a molten mass that revolves around the inner solid mass. Now... Just to blow your mind away, those two things together are slightly larger than the entire planet, Mars. So there is a lot that is in, that's in, included in what we would call the inner core of the Earth. This solid mass of iron at the middle, though, is completely dense all the way through. The reason that it's dense is because the gravity of the Earth and the gravity that's being caused by the rotation of the Earth and the rotation of the Earth around the sun. The, the pressure of gravity at the center of the earth is three times, three million times, excuse me, three million times greater than it is right here on the surface where you and me exist. That's, that's pretty awesome, you know, because you're not going to ever go there. You'll never come back. You would get there and you would be crushed. You would be flattened like a piece of paper 
you would not be able to exist. And if you could get there and somehow, you know, you know, by some feat of science, you could withstand the three million times greater pressure of gravity, then you would discover that the center of our earth is scientifically hotter than the surface of our own sun. It's a crazy place. And everything on earth, including you and me, is wanting to be pulled to the center of the earth because of its gravity. And that's very much like God. God is pulling us with this intense gravity of grace towards him all the time. God's pulling us with an intense gravity of love towards him. The willingness to forgive, the act of mercy, sending his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that you and me might have relationship with with him. That's the heart of God. God's never stopped doing that. God was the creator of gravity, and spiritually, God is still the orchestrator of gravity, pulling man right to himself. Look with me what John chapter 6 has to say about God's heart drawing men to himself. It says, for no one can come to me, that's Jesus, unless the Father who sent me, what does it say? Draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. God the Father is drawing us to himself. And he's not letting anybody go. It doesn't matter today how how far you sinned. It doesn't matter today, you know, where you would consider your relationship with God to be. It doesn't matter today how many mistakes that you've made. It doesn't matter today. What matters today is the fact that God's still in control and he's still pulling people to himself. So to help illustrate this today, I want to draw for you what I call the circle to true life. Not to be mistaken with the circle of life, all right? I think we all saw that um, a few weeks ago when uh, Tracy you know, held up his baby and did Mufasa, you know, well, with the baby. Uh, that was, that's the circle, that's all about the circle to life, the circle of life. I want to talk to you about the circle to true life. And when I, when I draw this over these next few moments, the circle to true life, this circle is going to help you understand what a relationship with God really looks like. It's going to help you understand what a spiritual journey looks like. It's going to help you figure out where you are on your spiritual journey. And it's also going to give you a very practical evangelistic tool that you could help your friends figure out where they are so that you can come alongside them and help them grow in their spiritual journey. We believe at New Life in a spiritual journey, not a spiritual destination. That you never arrive, that we're constantly being transformed and we're constantly changing. So let me draw for you uh, for the next couple of minutes the circle to true life. Why don't you take your own notes? And uh, follow along with me, and we'll fill in some of the blanks. Obviously, if we're going to talk about the circle to true life, it's going to start with a circle. That was the no-brainer part. Um, every, every circle has an exact center, or like the earth has a core. Spiritually, there is a core to our spiritual journey as well. Now, this, what I've drawn, has three main parts. The circle to true life, first we have to understand that Out here, around the circle, this is where man lives in his rebellious state, in his independent state. This is where man decides he's going to live by his own rules, do his own thing. But inside of the circle is where we find the kingdom of God. So why don't you just write on your, the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Then, inside of the kingdom of God, the dot is that core or that spot where God's trying to pull us to the center 
center of his will. That's the center of God's will. Now, the center of God's will, let me just, let me just show you a scripture that kind of talks a little about the center of, of God's will. Well, that's the, the kingdom one. That's, that's over here. So the, the center of God's will for, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Those good works that God created in advance for us to do, let me tell you, those are the things that are found when we discover the center of God's will. When we get ourselves to a point where everything that we have, everything that we are, is living at this place where I'm completely abandoned to the cause of Christ. And when you're just in God's kingdom, it doesn't, you don't always live that way. You can live fairly comfortable in God's kingdom with you still trying to stay in charge. Sounds bad. Doesn't even sound right, does it? It's amazing what God's grace and God's mercy does in the heart of a person. God's wanting you and me to completely abandon ourselves so that we can run to the center of his will. How do you even get in to the kingdom of God, though? How do you even, you know, begin this whole journey? Well, that's where the line comes in. The line is faith. Faith in Jesus. So, We've got these three parts. We've got us, we're living out here when we started life. We've got faith in Jesus so that we can get into the kingdom of God, so that we can somehow get to the center of God's will for our lives. This is very much what God's wanting us to do. Look at what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 has to say about the faith in Jesus part. It says, and without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Look at what it says. For whoever wants to, what? Draw near to God. If you want to draw near to God, then you're going to have to put your faith in God through Christ. Maybe to help you understand how this whole circle to true life works, I thought what I would do is draw my own personal journey. Why don't you follow along with me? When I was a kid, I grew up in church. And as a kid growing up in church, I was being taught about who Jesus is. People like Eric and Shelly, our children's pastors, would teach me every single week about the principles of God. And one day in church service for kids, I remember giving my life to Jesus. I remember saying, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I put my faith in God through Christ. I got into the kingdom. That's how we all get into the kingdom, by the way. There is no other way into God's kingdom except through faith in God through Christ. But once you get into the kingdom, have you got it all figured out? Do you got all the answers? Do you know exactly now what to do? Do you have all of the Bible memorized and all of, you know, spiritual principles? You got them really figured out? No, you don't. So what are you learning how to do? You're very much like a baby who's learning how to walk steady. You typically start somewhere out on the edge. You I mean, you're, you still got your sinful behaviors, you still have your sinful acts, you still have your sinful thoughts, you still have attitudes, you've got all kinds of issues that are still being surrendered or given to God, and you're just learning how to walk steady. You're, you're coming to church, you're starting to pray, you're starting to give, you, you know, you're starting to interact, you're learning what worship really means, you're, you're learning how to pray. I mean, there's just a lot going on. You're learning how to walk. And in me, when I was learning how to walk, As I started to become a teenager, I fought against the gravitational pull of God to the center. 
I started looking around and saying, look at all these hypocritical people. They, they call themselves Christians, but they behave a different way. You know, look at this thing called the church. It doesn't even seem relevant. It's just full of old people. You know, you come up with all kinds of excuses that I could come up with. And as a teenager, instead of going towards the center of God's will, I, I relied on my independence and my own personal rebellion. And I drifted more towards a sinful behavior. When I got out of high school and I was on my own, I could make my own decisions, it got even worse. And I got so close back to the line of faith that I eventually came to a point one day and I stood in a parking lot in Bellevue, Nebraska. And I remember pointing my finger up to heaven and, and basically saying to God, you must not exist and you're not relevant any longer and I'm not going to worship you and I'm not going to follow you. There's no room for you in my life. Well, what was that? That was a statement of a lack of faith. And then that day, I crossed out of the kingdom, back into the kingdom of man. Notice what I said. Follow me very closely. Did I sin my way out of the kingdom? But let me tell you what sin does. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. Sin was driving me away from the center of what God, God's will was. I'm going to tell you something today. If you're trying to live inside of God's kingdom but still live your sinful life, it's just a matter of time before the world sucks you back out into the darkness. It's just a matter of time because faith puts you into the kingdom. And faith is what's going to get you out of the kingdom. And sin is going to cause you to question faith. And over time, the, the value of God decreases while the value of the world increases. And your relevance of God decreases while the practicalness of the world increases. And you lose sight of what you were created for, and you lose sight of why you're on the earth. That's what happened to me. Then I went out on my own little journey, my prodigal journey. Man, I just went all over the place, went to the farthest corners that I could find of, of seeking man. And I would drift back to God, and I would do man's kind of thing. And I would do that back and forth until finally one day I ended up with nothing at 3 o'clock in the morning at an apartment in Bellevue. Here I am standing back at the line of faith. I sense the Holy Spirit who has been drawing me back to this place. Why? Because God is the one who draws us. The intensity of God's gravity at the center never lets a person go no matter how far they run away from him. And there I find myself at 3 o'clock in the morning going, God, I know that you're real. I know that you exist. I know that you gave your life for me on the cross. Then, that's where this next issue came in. And I said, but God, if you would take a guy like me back, I want to come home again. I want to come back into your kingdom. And on that day, I really sensed God speak to me and says, welcome home, my son. Welcome home. That day was the day I moved back into God's kingdom. And you know what happened? I started learning how to walk all over again. It didn't take much because I had quite a bit of experience walking. I had a little bit of history built up. I had some knowledge. I had some understanding of how this thing worked. And now I started shedding off some of the lies and started running with some of the truth. And that, that made all the difference in the world until one day I was in Alaska and I decided, you know what? God wants more of me. God wants all of my life. God wants all of my all of my ministry, that call of ministry in my life at 15, God wants that. And I decided on that day that I would take a 90 degree turn and I started running straight to the center of God's will. Now that took, that took some time. That took some time of surrender. 
It took some time of obedience. It took some time of God really testing me and putting through the fire and going, is this what you really want? You want beyond where you've ever been before, Jeff Baker? Is that where you want to go? Someplace you've never been before? Yeah, God, that's where I want to go. And I found myself over the next few years getting to the center of God's will and then getting caught in the gravity of God. A place where your life is the most fulfilled. A place where you have peace. A place where you have joy. A place where you sense that the giftings and the talents that God's given you are, are being used to the maximum for God's kingdom and for His glory. And what joy comes to you? Oh, the cost is great. The cost is amazing. But the cost is, doesn't seem all that painful compared to the joy and the fulfillment of being in God's kingdom and doing all that God's asked for you to do. Now, in an honest being honest before you, I'd have to say that there have been moments as I've journeyed around the center of this that, unfortunately, I've got comfortable. And I started to think that maybe I got this figured out, I can do this, God, give me the reins, I'm going to go do my own thing. And those, that's when you, you start breaking loose again, because you start breaking loose of God's gravity, because your, your independence is like a rocket being fired that gets a person off the planet. And, and that independence, that rocket that fires, it drives you away from the center of what God wants. And that's where true repentance has to continue in our lives. True repentance causes me to notice that and then turn back 180 degrees and come right back and start circling around again. And then this, and it happens again. My independence flares up. My sinful nature flares up. I start drifting. I have to repent and come right back and start circling around the middle. I found my greatest value circling around the middle of God's perfect will for my life. That's what I want to teach you throughout this journey. I want to teach you what it really means to live at the center of God's will. In a moment, I'm going to have you draw your own personal journey. So you might want to have these answers filled in. I'm going to have you put a little person just outside the circle, and I'm going to have you draw on your piece of paper that you were given when you walked in, and I'm going to have you end with an X. Most, most often, most of you are going to put yourself at a place that's greater spiritually than what you really are, because we like to think of ourselves as better than what we actually are. All right? That's okay. But as we preach through this teaching series, it's going to help you figure out exactly where you are and then the steps that you need to take to keep moving forward. So before you do it, let me show you the four stages very quickly that you are going to have in your spiritual journey at some point and that I have in mine. The first one was found right here. Number one, and this one is this short phrase, step. Step across the line. Step out of man's world into God's world, step into God's kingdom. That's number one. Number two is found with the squiggly line, and we're just going to refer to that as walk. To learn how to walk steady in your faith. Now, the third step of your spiritual journey comes right here at this 90 degree. Right smack dab right there, and we call this where you're learning how to run now. You're running towards the center of God's will, which leads us to, to spot number four, which is give it all. That's where you want to live. That's where God's drawing you to. And anything short of that is shortchanging yourself in your own spiritual journey. So what I'm going to do is I want to give you 30 seconds for you to write out your own journey on your own piece of paper. Start with the little man. Draw the nice squiggly little line and end where you think you currently are in your spiritual journey. 30 seconds, go.
Okay. If you haven't finished it, you can finish it over these next few moments. But if your journey is like mine, I mean, it's got some crazy twists and some crazy turns. But if you're somewhat accurate in where you would see yourself or over these next few weeks when you discover right where you're really at, then you're going to know what are the next steps that I really need to take to get caught in God's gravity and truly surrender to Him. So to get started this, in this teaching series, we're going to jump in with week one. I want to talk to you about learning how to step over the line. So now you might think to yourself, wow, stepping over the line, you mean putting your faith in God through Christ. Yes, that's what I want to talk to you about. Then you're going... The next question you probably are asking yourself is, why did I even come to church today? I've done that a long time ago. Well, you're here today for two reasons. One, one, I want to help you understand that you may have stepped over the line of faith, but did you step over the line of faith with the right attitude? Did you step over it with the right motive? Did you step over it, you know, with the right ideas? I'm going to challenge some of those for you today. Secondly, you need to be reminded because if you stepped over the line of faith some time ago, you could have literally forgot how it all went down. And God wants you to be reminded so that you can tell others how to make that critical step in their own personal journey. So we're going to start with stepping over the line of faith. That means if you're here today and you did your spiritual drawing and you brought yourself to the line of faith or you left yourself hanging out in man's world somewhere, then you're probably in one of two two categories. The first category would be that you're someone who is really close to the line of faith. But you've yet to step over it. And you're saying to yourself, I'm a good person. I do a lot of good things. I mean, it's okay for me to be where I'm at, isn't it, Jeff? I mean, I don't really have to put my faith in God through Christ, do I? I mean, I do good things for people and I give to charities and I do all kinds of stuff. Well, you're going to find out today that it's not by your works that's going to make God go, ooh, good job, well done. Yes, I'm going to make the circle kind of envelop you because you're so, you're so amazing. My circle doesn't, it's not perfect. I've got to make sure that it fits people like you. That might be you today. The other person that's out in man's world might be the person that found themselves like I did at one point, far out in the corner of man's world, living life the way you thought it ought to be, rebellious and, and, and uh, independent, sinful. And you might think, man, I've done so much. You know, how could God even love me? How would God even forgive me? Why would God even want to forgive me? You know, I'm, I'm pretty much, I've set my, my course and, man, I don't really see how God can reach out. How does God even know? How does God even know me? Doesn't he just know people that are inside of his kingdom? No, that's not true. Look what Job 34 has to say about those living outside of God's kingdom. It says, for God watches how people live. He sees everything that they do. No darkness is thick enough to hide the wicked from his eyes. Nothing that you've done will hide you from God's eyes. So no matter where you are outside of God's kingdom, I want to help you today figure out how to get in. And if you are in, I want to help you figure out what's the right attitude for living inside of God's kingdom when it's concerning stepping from man's world to God's world. And the first thing you've got to understand is a step over the line of faith requires surrender over acceptance. Surrender over acceptance. Acceptance... That word itself literally means to give your consent in receiving something. Such as, after this service, you know, if you come up to me and you go, Hey, Pastor Jeff, we want to take you out for dinner and we're going to pay. And I would say to you, wow, okay, I'll let you do that. That's acceptance. Which, by the way, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, it's okay. Just know that if you come, I might put you in the, in the 
in the waiting list to kind of see what the offers really are today. Just joking. In fact, don't ask me. Um, but if you did ask me, and if I, ex- I would accept your offer, which, what does that really do? It really puts me in the driver's seat. I have the ability to say no to you. I have the ability to say yes to you. But when I say yes to you, now, I'm, now I've kind of put myself in that position. You know, like, okay, I'm the one who committed myself to this. I'm going to be in charge of this. If I want to get out, I'll get out. But surrender is different. Surrender means for you to cease, to cease your resistance and to submit to authority. To cease your resistance, to, to stop fighting, to stop your independence, and to come and to submit yourself to an authority. See, that's what God's looking for if you're going to step over the line of faith and really truly understand what real surrender is. It's not you being in control. It's you ceasing your resistance. Stop the fight. Stop running away from God. Stop trying to do life your own way and truly give in and let him be the ultimate authority. The only way you get into the kingdom and live and walk with God is when God becomes your authority. Not when he becomes something that you control. The best way for me maybe to show you this is found in Luke chapter 7. There's a prostitute that comes to Jesus. And she really shows us what the true heart of surrender really looks like. Why don't you look with me in verse 37 and 38. Jesus, by the way, before I read this, he was in a town and he was eating with a bunch of religious leaders, like pastors, if you will. This is where Jesus finds himself. And then look what happens. When, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he, Jesus, was eating there, she, she, uh, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind Jesus at his feet, weeping. Take a look at what happens next. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. This woman came to Jesus with a total act of surrender. How do we know that? Number one, she's not invited. She's not a house guest. Number two, she's a very immoral woman. She'd be an, she would already be kind of an outcast in the community. So she comes into this pristine, perfect place with all these holy people, kneels down at Jesus' feet, and could care less what they have to say. It's all about him, and starts weeping at his feet. Tears drop. She takes this expensive perfume, which, by the way, the perfume is what gave her her job. She uses the perfume to attract and to allure the men that walk by. The perfume is expensive. The perfume is upwards to a year's wages. And she would use the perfume to put on her body to attract and to waft out into the environment and to capture the the senses of those that walk by and try to lure them to herself so that she can have that moment and make some money and stay alive. And she comes to Jesus, kneels down at his feet, and takes the very perfume that she uses every single night and pours it out on his feet. Some versions say she breaks it. But nevertheless, she uses it all at his feet. And with tears coming down her eyes and with the hair of her, of her own body, she cleans the feet of Jesus in a total act of, you are my master, I am your servant, everything I have has now been laid down at you, I have nothing anymore. I'm going to get up from this moment. I'm not going back to prostitution. I don't know what I'm going to, but I know this. You are my master. You are my Lord, and I've surrendered everything to you. She gave all that she had. See, true surrender requires you to really strive to be Christ-centric instead of me-centric. Having Christ at the center. 
being drawn to the center of God's will instead of being drawn to the center of your will. Yeah. And your journey, your journey today, your journey isn't to the, to the center of your happiness. That's not, that's not God's kingdom, to the center of your happiness. It's to the center of God's will. It's like the missionaries in the early 20th century who, who were called one-way missionaries. A.W. Milne is a one-way missionary who felt a call in his youth and decided he was going to go to a, a tribe in New Guinea where they were headhunters. Missionaries had gone there before him, but no missionaries had ever returned alive because they had all been killed by the tribe. But A.W. Milne, he was committed to this, and he was on fire, and he knew what surrender was because he showed up at the boats with all of his goods packed in a coffin. He packs all of his goods in a coffin, he puts it on the boat, he hops on the boat, and off he goes to the headhunting tribe, never knowing if he's ever really going to return. As you could well understand, in the early 20th century, it took a long time for interaction to happen, especially if you were in a primitive situation, so people didn't hear from him for a long time. But A.W. Milne stayed there for 35 years and ministered to those people and found God's favor and his acceptance, and he brought transformation to their lives. So much so that when he died, the tribe took him out and they buried him. And then they wrote on his tombstone that when he came, there was no light. But when he left, there was no darkness. If you and me are going to really learn what it means to surrender and to cross the line of faith into God's kingdom correctly, you're going to have to learn how to start packing your own coffin. Because it's not about you anymore. It's about you dying to yourself. It's about you giving up complete control. It's not about your pursuit to the center of your happiness. It's about your pursuit to the center of his happiness. Let's remember, Jesus didn't die just so that you would be safe. Jesus died to make you dangerous. Jesus died so that you could come and pack your goods in a coffin and basically give it to him and say, I'm giving up all to you. And when you step into God's kingdom with the attitude of, I'm giving it all, it sets your compass heading that causes your journey in God's kingdom to be more effective, more satisfying. It causes your journey in God's kingdom to be more joyful. But when you come in and you're in control and then all the wheels start falling off, who do you blame? You blame God. You might find today that your journey with God needs to go back to the line of faith and start all over again. Pack your coffin. Give it all up. Lay your life down and let him truly be Lord and leader. But that's not where it ends. To step over the line of faith also requires that Jesus be a personal God to you. See, Jesus isn't a distant God. And Jesus isn't a figurine that hangs around your neck on a cross or hangs at some churches. Jesus isn't just in heaven Absent from mankind, doing his own thing, and, you know, absent-minded from what's going on in your life. No, Jesus wants to be personal with you. That's why Revelation chapter 3 says these things about the heart of Christ. It says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together with you as friends. Jesus is standing at your heart's door and he's knocking. Or he stood at your heart door and you opened it up for the first time. But let me just tell you something today. If you stepped over the line of faith and you've given your life to Christ, Jesus hasn't stopped knocking on your heart's door. 
He's still wanting to have meals with you. He's still wanting to have those one-on-one moments where you sit down with him, you look him in the eye through his word, you look him in the, in the eye through prayer, you look him in the eye and he speaks to you and you speak to him. Jesus has never given up on being personal with you. But man goes from personal to institutional. We go from something that's very intimate to something that's very rigid. We take God and we go from this fresh life and we turn it into something stale. Jesus is still knocking on your heart. He's still wanting to have that intimate personal relationship with you. He's wanting that. Remember that, you remember the time when you had a crush in high school? Remember that first date that you went out on with that crush? Remember how you spent hours in front of the mirror just making sure every hair was in its right place? Guys, you remember how you you would do this? You would check your breath all the time. Remember how you would be like, all right, everything's good. Remember how that was like one of the very first times if you're a guy that you really cared about how everything actually went together and you kept wanting to know, does it work? Does it work? Remember how you replayed in your head those very first words you were going to say? Remember when you got the keys to the car and you, and you drove over? Remember, you remember the guy standing at the door knocking and your heart going, and you're like, I'm going to go out with my crush. It's crush love. Remember how you just felt like, there can't be any love greater than this. And you went out and you had the perfect dates and you just wasted all kinds of money at, uh, you know, Dairy Queen. Um, you ate a cheeseburger with fries and you took that little coin up there and you got the free Sunday. It was amazing. It was awesome. But then do you remember when, if you're married in this room, do you remember when you began to really understand what true love was? Remember what it really meant when you started to really know someone? And then you look back at that crush and you realize how shallow that really was. And then you look at your marriage and you look at your spouse and you realize how, how much depth there still is that you, can, that you can grow in. How much you can still know one another. How much you can spend time with each other and still love each other. That personal relationship, that personal thing, that's what God's going after. God's not going after a bunch of people running around with a crushed puppy love. God's going around asking people, you know, to basically be a spouse, to love him and to go deep with him and and to journey with him and to sojourn with him into a place that you've never been before. To take a right turn in your spiritual journey and to run straight to the center of his will. That's what God's going after. And for you and me to have a personal relationship with God, if you want a personal relationship with God to happen, then you're going to have to follow things like what Ephesians chapter 2 has to say. Take a look at this. It says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're first going to have to understand that salvation was a gift given by him, not something that you can earn. So if you're standing outside of the circle and you're standing there and you're thinking to yourself, it's about my good works, right? No, it's not, because if it is and God lets you into, into the kingdom, who do you boast about? You boast about you. God's kingdom is not a place where you boast about you. God's kingdom is a place where you boast about him. So you can't get in by your good works. That's impossible. It doesn't work that way. You get in because God gave a free gift of grace through Jesus. And you're going to have to look at it and, and, and contemplate it and come to the conclusion it's a free gift 
And God, I want to surrender to it. But also, if you're going to find a personal relationship with God and you want a personal relationship with God to happen, then you're also going to have to look at what Psalms 84 says. It says this. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will behold no good thing from those who do what is right. If you want a personal relationship with God, a personal relationship with Jesus, then you're going to have to come to the conclusion that God's not trying to hold anything back from you. You know, that's how sin began on our planet. Adam and Eve, they thought that God was trying to hold something back from them. And they thought as they came to that tree and the serpent and Satan, you know, he tempted them and he goes, why don't you eat off this tree? Oh, we can't do that. God said, don't eat off that tree. Oh, you know why he doesn't want you to eat off that tree? Because he's got a secret he's keeping from you. He's got something he's trying to keep from you. He's trying to keep you down so he can get, he can stay puffed up so he can stay in, in control. You need to get that. That's, God's keeping that from you. And they started contemplating that thought and eventually they came to the conclusion, yeah, that's right. God is trying to keep something from us. And when they ate of it, the next time God shows up in the garden, what did they do? Run up to him? Oh, God, how's it going? No, it says that they went and they hid. And this personal relationship that they once were enjoying started to drift away. If you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, you've got to come to the conclusion of understanding that God isn't trying to keep anything from you. I pray, but he doesn't answer. It doesn't mean he's trying to keep something from you. It might be because he's trying to protect you from yourself. Yeah, but it seems like the world is just dark right now, and I don't know where he is. It's not because he's trying to hide from you. That's not, what, that's not the reason. God is never trying to keep anything from you. In fact, he gave you his best through Jesus. When Jesus dies on the cross, the veil is ripped between man and God, and we have full access to all that God has for us. God is wanting to give you his best through Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to just, you know, have enough information about him that you're just informed. He wants you to have enough of him so that you're transformed. He's not trying to keep anything from you. He wants your life to be radically changed forever. Next time you go to the zoo, I want you to look for a particular animal. I want you to look for an African impala. It's not a super huge animal, but man, that thing is quick and it's fast. And it can, I mean, it can leap actually about 10 feet straight into the air. And then in a run, it can leap and go about 30 feet. Just think about it. That's a long ways. If I could just jump 10 feet into the air, oh, I wouldn't be here. I'd be a basketball player. That's what I'd be. You'd watch me slam dunk in some place. But they can jump 10 feet into the air. They can leap 30 feet in length, but yet a three-foot wall holds them captive in a zoo. Why is that? Why can an animal that has that type of agility be held by a three-foot wall? And the answer to that is they won't jump where they can't see. And for us, in our spiritual journey, many times we don't jump. We don't step over the line. We don't leap over the line of faith because we, we don't really know what's on the other side. I want to challenge you today. Don't let what you don't know keep you from exploring all that God has for you. God has the best for you. And if you're here today and you're outside of God's kingdom, and you're living in the man portion of this world, and you're standing at the line wondering to yourself if you should jump in, but you're going, I need more answers. You're going, I, I just need, I need better clarity. You're going, I, I just need a little more time to search it all out. I'm telling you, you're never really going to know what it's like until you take the leap and you jump in and you surrender completely. 
not your acceptance, it's your surrender, and then you strive after a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how your life is going to be transformed. That's what it really means to step over the line of faith in this journey to the center of God. Why don't you stand with me today? Stand with me in an attitude of prayer, if you would. I just want to ask across, across all of our venues today, I just want to ask you in an attitude of prayer, where are you at in your spiritual journey? Did you write yourself into God's kingdom, but then you've learned today that, wow, man, I, I'm in God's kingdom, but I don't know that I've actually packed my coffin and surrendered. That's where God wants to take you back to. And during this time of response, during this time when our worship teams are singing, and you're singing to God, I want you to take your heart and just go, God, I'm going to surrender it to you. If you discover today that you've yet to cross over the line of faith into God's kingdom, then what you need to do is you need to ask, you need to come to God and say, God, I, I, need, to, I need you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to come into my life. I surrender completely to you. I want to strive after a personal relationship with you. Even if you don't understand it all, just jump in and start running with him. I'm telling you, it's going to be better than any place you've ever been before. You also might find today that there are some people in your life that you need to share your spiritual journey with so that you can give them the pen and they can write their spiritual journey so that you can share your faith with them. I want to challenge you this week. One person this week. That's the challenge. One person. You write the circle to life. You show them your spiritual journey. You give them the pen and you let them share theirs. And then you help them take the next step that they need to take. As we pray, would you just kind of take your heart and surrender it to God? Father, thank you that you have a gravity that's beyond what we can understand. And it's pulling us to the center of your will. This perfect place. Lord, where we, we're the most satisfied. We're, God, we find the most joy and the most peace. God, that place where we're the most surrendered. It seems like we've given it all up. But it's a place where we're, we're the happiest. We search after the center of our happiness. We get nothing. We search after the center of yours and we get everything. So, Lord, we're talking about the line of faith. Teach us what it really means to surrender. Speak through our hearts all across this auditorium. May we have an act of surrender before you today. If that means we need to find a place to get alone with you and pray, then we do it. If we, sit, if we kneel down in our seat, then that's what we do. Lord, there are also friends of ours that need their seats for them, their seats open in all of our venues. And they're open for them. And they need to know what a spiritual journey really looks like. Lord, this week would you give us opportunities to share that with others. That we would truly share with them the circle to true life. Not fake. True life. Where, where they are transformed forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.